I'm Brandon Knight, and this is My Seminary Life. Folks, I almost, (laughs) there was this part of me that thought that I was not going to make it this week. Welcome back. This is the show where I talk about the things that I'm studying in seminary right now. And this week was the big finale to Systematic Theology 1, where I had to turn in my final project, a 20-page ordination quiz. Yeah, poured a lot of hours into wrapping that thing up this week. Um, and on top of that, we had uh, kind of a, a little bit of a different week on our classes. We didn't have any position papers or forum posts, again, focusing all of our attention on the final project. But we did have a lecture to read, and it was about demons, which you know, why not? Let, let's talk about demons. Let's talk about demon possession today, because, you know, Halloween is right around the corner. We'll just consider this kind of the quasi, like, uh, you know, the Halloween special episode of my seminary life. Why not? Let's just lean into it. Um, before we get into that, though, got a couple things we want to talk about. First off, if you are not following the show on any social medias, then you are missing out. I know I'm going to plug it again here at the end of the show, but I just wanted to say, uh, if you're if you're not following at My Seminary Life Pod on Facebook or Instagram, then you're missing out, and here's why: um, a lot of podcasts, especially a lot of Christian podcasts, depend upon. Ex- Extending their content to other platforms. In other words, podcasting is a multimedia event. Jesus is the cornerstone. The actual show is the next stone. Everything else is built off of it. And right now, I am in a position where I can't do a lot of, you know, I can't have an email monthly newsletter and a website with a blog. And I, I, I'm working two jobs and I'm in school. Some of these things are just not going to happen right now. I do have some goals set up for 2022 that I'm kind of fleshing out a little bit of what I want, how I want to expand the show. How can I healthily expand the show in a way that still fits with my, um, my calendar and my, my mental health. And so be looking for that in 2022. But for right now, we have social media, Facebook and Instagram. And every day, there is a specific post. Sometimes I'm just highlighting old episodes. Sometimes I'm highlighting where I'm making other appearances. Um, But because this show is about higher education and studying and learning about God and how we experience God through our education, there are days that are set aside for that. How do we learn more about God? How do we experience God? So, that is where you can get some more extended, expanded universe content of my seminary life. Please go check it out. Please follow. Please like. Like I said, very few shows can actually just depend upon the show itself. Unless you're like Joe Rogan. Everyone else has some type of like, and I do this and I do that. Well, we can't do all of that right now. I can just do this. And speaking of guest appearances. I was back over on Systematic Geekology this past week, so I will post the link for that this weekend for you to check out. Did an episode, basically an intro to Doctor Who, a beginner's guide to Doctor Who. And we also did a Patreon-exclusive episode, so you can follow, or you can back Systematic Geekology on Patreon to get a uh, in-depth look at 
a couple episodes that involve Satan. Like, I guess we're just, we're I'm, again, we're just leaning into all of the demonology stuff this week. And I think that's it by way of announcements. So, before we, again, before we get more into the topic of demonology, if you recall, all the way back in episode 8, when we finished up uh, our study of spiritual formation, I did an episode that highlighted just some of my thoughts on the class. Stuff that didn't make it into the episode, or into the various episodes. Things that I thought we would study but didn't. Just some, just reviewing the class a little bit, and I'm going to do that a little bit now. One thing I would say about this class is that this is obviously a to-be-continued conversation. I believe it's spring A that we'll be back for systematic theology. I, have to, I had to emphasize that there to make sure I didn't say geekology again. Systematic theology 2 is spring A, I believe. This whole quarter, we've been focusing on more of the supernatural side of systematic theology. We talked about the Bible and what is systematic theology, but we spent a lot of time on Christology, pneumatology, theology proper, angels, and now demons. So I'm assuming that in uh, class two, we will be talking about anthropology, the study of the sin nature, ecclesiology, eschatology. It wouldn't surprise me if eschatology takes two weeks. Um, so I'm not going to review too much of the content. And honest, honestly, what we talked about here on the show, like we didn't talk about everything. We didn't talk about the various views of creation. We didn't talk about the communicable in, and incommunicable uh, attributes of God. Like There are some things that did not make the show. But for the most part, I would say we hit the most important conversations. The things that were the focus of the homework of the week or the bulk of the reading, that's what made it into the episode. So I don't think we really skipped all that much. By way of the readings, I had three books for this class, and one of them I only used once. Um, that Alistair McGrath book, which was, of course, the one that I had to buy. The other two I borrowed from a friend. Thanks again, Scott, for letting me borrow those books. Um... Yeah, the book that I had to buy was the one that I used one time. So I we have like a student survey that we we have to fill out at the end of each class, and I did put in there like you might as well just take this book off the list. Like why why is this even an option? Why why is this a required option? This should just be or a required text. This should just be an optional read along the way. Um, other than that, very little interaction with my prof. In this class, I had a little bit more. The lecture was more like lecture notes, like an outline to read. Whereas in spiritual formation, the lecture was more like I was reading a letter from my prof. So I, yeah, it was just a little bit less personable in this class, which again, I put in my survey. Um, another thing I noticed, and this is more, this has more to do with me and how I learn than the class itself, it is really hard when it comes down to crunch time or difficult topics to do online learning. Um, online, you know, you, you have this forum post discussion time that is supposed to make up for the time that you would normally have in class to discuss matters, but, you know, there, there's nothing quite like finishing a class 
turning to your friend who sit, sat behind you in class that day and say, hey, do you want to go to the cafe and just hang out for a bit? Detox from the class. Hey, do you want to go to the library and pound out some of this uh, final project? Or getting in touch with some of my friends who are in other departments and like, hey, do you want to go to Starbucks and do some homework over there? Like, I'm missing those. In other words, misery loves company, and it's really hard when you're working on this final project, and Claire is very supportive. There were times this week, especially, where I was like, hey, you have to cook dinner. I do a lot of the cooking in the house. You're just going to have to cook dinner this week because I I don't really have time to do that. i got to finish this project. Um, But there's something missing in the, hey, I have friends who are in a very similar situation Let's go study together. My buddy Josh, who is one of the hosts at Systematic Geekology, he's in he's in um, school right now too. So we have been texting a little bit this past couple days about like finishing up class and all that. So that that helped a little, but there there's something about doing homework with other people that I'm missing right now. I'm missing that. Anyway, those are all my thoughts. As of right now, for Systematic Theology 1, I might have more to say when we get to Systematic Theology 2. And, but yeah, that's all I really have for review of the, show, of the class. So let's get to our actual topic for today. And if you can't guess, it's a short topic because we're already about 10 minutes in and we haven't even gotten to the topic. So we have this week the topic of demonology, Satanology, the study of demons and Satan. And one thing that stood out to me by the time I was done with the readings and the lecture is that much like eschatology, our, a lot of our thinking and theology on demons is really influenced by media and pop culture. It really is. There are a lot of people who their views of the end time is really shaped by the Left Behind series. That That is pretty evident to me, that a lot of people, their whole theology of the end times is cut and paste left behind with some Bible verses to try and back it up. And it came to, and it, it came to my attention that when it comes to the study of demons, that that seems to be the case as well. There's not a ton of information in the scriptures about demons and Satan, but we know some things, and we fill in the gaps with movies like The Exorcist and other things. Um, basically, how basically the timeline is assumed that when God created the heavens and the earth, that it is plausible that that was during the time when the angels were created as well. The holy angels, all the angels. And then by the time you get to chapter 3, the fall has occurred. The, not the fall of man, but the fall of Satan. And that the fall of Satan had to have happened somewhere after, uh, really after chapter 1, when God declares after the seventh day, when God declares that everything is good, and chapter three, when Satan shows up 
to deceive Adam and Eve. So, somewhere in that gap of space that we really don't know how long it takes, we don't know, um, Satan rebels. And Satan's rebellion was out of pride and conceit for God, for God's position of power. And a number of angels also aligned themselves with Satan and fell along with him. Satan and the angels now called demons, fallen angels. Being created creatures, that means that Satan and the angels are not, or excuse me, Satan and the demons are not like God. Meaning, they are not all-powerful, they are not omniscient, and they are not present everywhere. They are limited. They are not as strong as God. And that's important because, again, at least in pop culture and media, they are often depicted as almost equals. They are depicted as basically two sides of a coin, one good, one evil, both all-powerful, blah, blah, blah. And that's not to downplay the strength of Satan and the demons, because they are still angels, and angels seem to be a little bit higher up on the created order than we as humans are, but they are not as powerful as God, and that's an important thing to keep in mind. And they're also limited by the Holy Spirit, and I should have wrote that verse down, uh, but there, that was part of our studying this week, was that there are verses that talk about how Satan and the demons are limited by God. Their influence in the world, even though that even though he is the prince of the power of the air right now, the rule the prince of this world, he is still limited by God and what he can do. Job, the book of Job is a good example. I thought of one. The book of Job is a great example of this that he has to get permission from God to do the thing with Job. He has to go before God and accuse him, accuse God, accuse Job of why Job is so faithful to God. And that is one of the biggest attributes of Satan that I took away this week. The deceiver is a common element that comes up all throughout the scriptures, all throughout preaching. But the accuser aspect, that is something that really stood out to me this week. That is one of Satan's primary, Satan and the demons' primary motivations is to accuse the believers of what, of what they do, of how they act, of how they, you know, how they respond to God. And accuse God of not being faithful, just all the things. Satan's primary goal, I think, is not to win. I think he might be aware of the fact that he's not going to win this. But Satan's and the demons' goal in all of this is to just take as many people down as possible. Just try to thwart the plans of God to bring his kingdom, to bring Jesus' kingdom to the earth, just to try and derail it as much as possible. I, I, I don't think there's really a plan to try and conquer everything. He is limited, so maybe he thinks that he really could win this in the end. Pride is a powerful tool and very blinding. 
but I think the goal is just to derail things as much as possible. And that takes us now to the topic of demon possession, which was, it, I, I'm really, I, this whole thing was very fascinating, but demon possession was the most interesting and most fascinating part of this whole thing because the word possession I don't want to use, I don't want to say that it's a mistranslation but the word possession is it's just not the right word to use there at least the way that we understand possession we understand the word possession to mean that complete ownership right like I own what do I own I own a lot of books that I do own. I'm paying I'm paying off my car and I rent a house. So, I don't own either one of those. But I I do own plenty of books. I I have a lot of books. They are mine. And when people borrow them, I want them back because they're mine. That's the idea of possession. And so in media and in movies and whatnot, demon possession is depicted as like this whole total control of the individual. Their voice is even coming through the human as they're speaking. Like it's, you know, they have all these extra abilities and strengths, blah, blah, blah. Apparently, though, in the Greek, possession isn't the most accurate word to use to translate the Greek word here. Whenever there's an occurrence of a demon controlling somebody, possession is not the right word to use there. Influences. Demonic influence is a better word. And I know that might seem like a subtle shift, but it's an important subtle shift. Because what you're, what's happening here is that you're going away from complete and utter control of an individual to degrees of control. Possession is ownership. Influence is degrees. You can have a degree of influence on everybody. I influence students at youth group week after week after week, but I only have a limited interaction with them. So my influence on students at youth group is limited compared to the influence that they're getting from their friends that they see every day at school, their parents that they see every literal literal day of their life. Like, influence is to degrees. So when we speak of demon possession, as in complete ownership, one of the questions that we had to wrestle with was, can a Christian be demon-possessed? From the perspective of control, complete and utter control, no. No, a, a Christian cannot be demon-possessed because the Holy Spirit has already taken up residency in a believer's life. Like, a demon cannot occupy and can fully control a human from there. Speaking of demon possession as influence, then the answer would be yes. And I think you've pro if you've been around prayer circles before, you've probably heard people say, you know, so-and-so has a demonic oppression right now. Not possession, but oppression. The P, the placement of the P in that conversation is very important. That the, the so-and-so has a demonic oppression. That actually is, even though that sounds very churchy and very safe, that actually is more accurate 
than demonic control. And obviously, when it comes to unbelievers, then, the degree of influence can be a lot higher, can be a lot stronger than the demonic oppression that I may face with my mental health sometimes, or the demonic oppression that you face in anger, you know, like these things that are very contrary to the way that we are called to live our Christian life. When we are walking, not in the spirit, but walking in the flesh, you know, that is demonic. That could be, let me say it that way, that could be demonic influence, demonic guidance. Now that is, and that is an important point I want to bring up here is that We should not, this was like a big, like, hey, check and balance here. Demons are real, and their influence exists, but you should not blame everything on the devil and on demons. Like, that's not how that works. Because, again, the sin nature in general, all things are fallen, everything is messed up. So sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes we choose the sin because we're sinners. I think I talked about it before in a, it may have been somewhere during the C.S. Lewis episode run that, you know, we as Christians, we kind of need to get away from the whole blaming every natural disaster on this is a message from God to get us to stop doing X, Y, Z or start doing X, Y, Z. Like, no, Sometimes natural disasters occur because humans have been doing XYZ to the environment for all these years, and so now everything's jacked up. Or because sin has affected everything, both humans and nature. Or demonic influence. Or, yeah, maybe God is sending a sign. But, like, there's multiple, like, hoops to jump through. There's multiple options here. And that's the point that I'm trying to get here with the demonic influence, is that, yes, there could be an oppression, Yes, there could be a degree of influence in your life, but don't blame everything on demons. Don't blame everything on Satan. And with that, I want to start bringing us down here of like, how do we fight? So then how do we fight? If there is a degree of influence, what do we do? Do we call an exorcist? Like, what do we do in these situations? I We spent very little time on the subject of exorcisms. So I am going to pin that for maybe a discussion at another point, because with the idea that demonic possession is better understood as demonic influence, I, I begin to question a little bit the whole pulling a demon out of a person thing. But again, there is still influence, and we need to break that influence. And we break that influence in a few different ways. Number one, scripture is very clear. Resist the devil, cling to God, and he will flee from you. You know, I think sometimes we think of these things of like demonic battling of like, you know, we have to like do a lot of these X, Y, Z, you know, holy water, exorcisms, crosses everywhere. Like it's Dracula or something. Hang some garlic up maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to lean into this Halloween idea that we're doing for this episode. But the Bible is pretty simple in this area. Because remember, Satan and the demons are created things. And therefore, God is more powerful. And so, turn to him. 
Very simple. Cling to God. And that can look like a number of different things. Ephesians talks about, you know, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You look at Jesus being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. How did he battle him? How did he refute the things that Satan was trying to bring before him? Scripture. Turn to God in scripture. Cling to God in his word. Cling to God in prayer. I know of a couple at my church that like this is their whole, they have like a private ministry that they do that it's all based in prayer and breaking the chains of the past, breaking demonic influence that someone may be experiencing by the power of prayer. And it is going back to episode three, experiencing God in prayer. It's a lot of just that sitting and listening, inviting God in to speak speaking truth over yourself through the word of God. Like it's not, it's not as complicated as silver bullets and um, I'm running out of references, silver bullets and garlic and wooden steaks. Like it's, it's God. God is the warrior. We're like the, you know, the soldier in training. God is the warrior. Jesus is the warrior. We're turning to him in the battle. Give me the word of God. Give me prayer. Let me sit with God. And that's how we're going to break the chains of demonic influence. That's how we're going to break the chains of the past. That's how we're going to break the chains of black magic. Here's the thing. I made a TikTok about this once and I got ridiculed for it, which was not cool. But the whole like witches and witchcraft and wicca and astrology and tarot cards and black magic like it's it's a popular it's so popular right now there is a bookstore that i love going to in my area and no one has bought it yet and i always pick it up and thumb through it briefly but sitting just sitting out in front of everybody is the bible for satanists the the satan Satanology book that Satanists read. It's just sitting there. Anyone can pick it up and buy it. And the Christian response to this thing, to this world, for generations has been evil! Little Little Mermaid Man joke for you there. Uh, Has been just yelling evil. And it is. Like, it, it clearly, like, you look at you look at Saul in, um, what is that, First Samuel, when he, you know, he blatantly breaks the law of the Lord, and he goes and he consults with a, uh, with a, like a witch, and she's able to, you know, conjure up Samuel somehow. Like, it's a, it's a very peculiar story in the book of Samuel. That's all bad. That is not good. Bible does not condone that. Or you have, there's like a, Oh man, book of Acts where people are like, everyone in this village comes to know Christ as Savior, so they like destroy their books of sorcery. Like, there's all these instances, especially in the book of Acts, the more I think about it, where issues of demonic influence or sorcery or black magic comes up and like how they are, you know, the power of God forces people to drop these things. But my thing is, like, how do we, as Christians, 
learn about this stuff without getting entrenched in it. Because that's the big that's the big warning in this studying this week was don't get involved in the occult. Don't get involved in black magic. But it's like, where do we go? Where's the book for Christians of like an introductory guide? Not because I want to learn how to do the things, but like, what do, how do I engage people who are like in this for witnessing, for a witnessing portion? You know what I mean? I took an apologetics class back in grad or in, in my undergrad days. And, you know, we beat to death how to witness to a Mormon, how to witness to a Muslim, how to, you know, someone even did a presentation on how to like witness to uh, what it's like a fire religion that like a tiny select group of people still follow in out in the Middle East. Like, and yet, even though like every person in the world knows something about their astrology sign, except for me, none of that stuff makes any sense to me. But it's like people worship this stuff. Their entire worldview is this whole, what do the stars say? All right, the TikTok trend right now is, does the dog have bones? Maybe you know what that is. I'm just going to leave that there. Anyway, the you know, there's these people who like very easily can dabble in the these arts, these black magic, this witchcraft and all this stuff. And it's like, Where's the where's the Sunday school material? Where's the book for Christians on this is like the basic tenets of their belief and what they think and how how it's perceived to work and this is how we can lead them to Christ. Where is that material at? If you know about it, which by the way, I haven't read it yet, but I did see the Gospel Coalition just posted an article uh, recently about it. If it's good, I will share it on, if it's helpful and good and what I'm looking for, I will share it on Facebook for those of you who want more. Um, but if, if any of you know of an actual book that talks about this type of stuff for Christians to help better understand this world, like, let me know. And that really long tangent, which I just realized has been going for a while. Sorry now. Um, this really long tangent uh, to bring it back. John Eldridge, who's one of my favorite writers, he's got a book called Moving Mountains. On pr- It's about prayer. And that's a whole area that he kind of talks a little bit about. He addresses, he's one of the few people in Christianity that I've ever read who actually addresses the fact that, like, there is spiritual warfare going on and that, like, witches put curses on people in Christianity. Or that, you know, there are inherent issues that come up time after time in families, like not like the sins of the father, but like reoccurring problems that occur and that sometimes you need to fight these issues by breaking them with the power of prayer and clinging to God. It's spiritual warfare. Okay. I'm like a little off track here now on this whole black magic thing, bringing it back full circle. So what do we do? What do we do when it comes to Satan and demons and demonic influence. We need to better educate ourselves, I guess is where I'm landing this. We need to better understand what these scriptures actually say and not just look at the popular horror movies that have demons in it. What was that one that just came out? Malignant. Like, we can't just look at these movies and assume, okay, they know how the supernatural work. Like, no, I think 
my God knows how the supernatural works, and he gave me a book about it. So I'm just going to rely on that a little bit more than whatever Stephen King is writing right now. And we need to remember that we need to turn to God and cling to him in these battles. That we need to look to his word, look to prayer, and we, that we can, in the power of Jesus' name, break these influences and curses. Remember, you don't have the strength to do these things. They're a little bit stronger than us. But we have a bigger warrior God. It reminds me of one of my favorite stories of the book of Acts where someone casts out a demon. Breaks the d- demonic influence in this person's life. And then there's like this wizard group who go around and they basically use their magic for like tricks. And they go to cast out a demon and they say something to the effect of like, in the name of the God that Peter cast demons out of, or in the name of the God that that Peter cast out demons, we release this demon or something like that. It's, and the demon responds, Jesus I know, and Paul I've heard of, but I don't know who you are. And, like, just trashes them. Um, Anyway, that was, like, a really bad butchering of that story. But all that to say that um, it is in Jesus' name that we fight these battles. And we're victorious. Like, don't forget about that. We have the ending of the story. Satan and the beast and the false prophet and the demons, they lose. They're going to be locked in the lake of of fire. They're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And they lose. We have the victory. And don't forget that. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, then please take a moment to rate and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. Or head on over to the My Seminary Life Facebook page where you can write a recommendation on there as well. You can also follow us on Instagram at MySeminaryLifePod for other fun updates throughout the week. And more than the recommendation, I would really appreciate it if you told someone you knew about the show. Word of mouth is the best way to advertise for this show. And finally, you can follow me, Brandon Knight, on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k for other fun faith-based content. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brandon Knight. Keep on studying.